because it posed no real threat. Everything from political parties to youth movements was fake, designed to create the image of civil society rather than the real thing. Behind the facade of a formal political system, replete with elections, candidates, and party platforms, lay a much more powerful network of relationships and understandings. Oligarchs and managers of state-owned corporations aspired to the respectability of Davos, even if their enterprises had barely moved beyond the legacy of the Soviet command economy, with all the inefficiency and corruption that entailed. Soviet-era doublethink, whereby people had no qualms about saying one thing and believing another, was updated for the 21st century, fueled by high production values and slick PR. In such a climate, To believe in anything with sincerity was to be naive, which is why Pomerantsev writes of so many of his colleagues and friends having the confidence of feeling at once cynical and enlightened. Politics and culture took on the feeling of a lived game. But over time, the game grew harder, and the complications of real life began to push themselves onto Browder and Pomerantsev, and onto Russia more broadly. By the end of their books, both have ended up in London, disillusioned and racked with guilt for having participated in something so grotesque. For Browder, the party ended in 2005, when, for reasons still unclear, but surely having something to do with his efforts to expose corruption at state-owned companies, his Russian visa was revoked. Even after being exiled, He continued to praise Russia, telling anyone who would listen that it represented a fantastic investment opportunity. Like the one-time oligarch Mikhail Khodorkovsky, Browder knowingly went up against powerful interests in the state apparatus and lost, which makes him less an innocent victim than someone who played a high-stakes game until the game's masters decided his time was up. But what began as a commercial defeat turned personal. In 2009, his former lawyer, Sergei Magnitsky, died from neglect and abuse while in pre-trial detention in Moscow, sending Browder on a years-long search for justice and revenge. Guilt coated me like tar, Browder writes, of the weeks leading up to Magnitsky's death. His lobbying efforts led the U.S. Congress to pass the 2012 Magnitsky Act, which bars those connected to the case and to other Russian human rights abuses from entering the United States and freezes their assets. At first, Pomerantsev saw the constant transformations of the Russians around him as the celebration of a society pulling on different costumes in a frenzy of freedom. Over time, however, he came to see these endless mutations not as freedom, but as forms of delirium. But as long as that delirium didn't require too much of its citizens, there seemed little harm, for Russians and for those making money off them in London and New York, in going along for the ride. Pomerantsev describes one advertisement for a high-priced Moscow real estate development that was designed in the style of a Nazi poster. The ad is neither humorous nor serious, Pomerantsev writes, but something else. It's saying this is the society we live in, a dictatorship.
but we're just playing at it. We can make jokes about it, but playing in a serious way. We're making money playing it and won't let anyone subvert its rules. The party's over. That era, the funhouse years, chronicled by Browder and Pomerantsev, has come to a definitive close. The beginning of the end came in late 2011, when urban professionals took to the streets to protest Putin's decision to return to the presidency and a fraudulent parliamentary election. At the same time, the economy was reaching the end of its oil-fueled boom. By the time Putin returned to formal power in the Kremlin in 2012, the country's unwritten pact, whereby citizens stayed out of the state's business and the state largely left them alone to live increasingly middle-class lives, was no longer tenable. Putin had no choice but to reinvent his own...